Pastor Xavier Reese with a timely reminder of God's unfailing love for Israel. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, with great fervor. I am zealous for her. God is in love with Israel, Jerusalem. Matthew 25, the judgment of the nations. When you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. On how they treated the Jew during the Great Tribulation. That's going to be the judgment on the world. First thing Jesus comes back. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it comes down to it, our own political system is a struggle, not for democracy, but to prove who is in charge. The winners may be the politicians, but the loser all too often is the people. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the Old Testament book of Zechariah as he points to the only one who is ultimately in charge, and his reign is for the good of all the people of the world. Right now, let's join him for the simple truths in today's strategic lesson of hope and redemption. Zechariah chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 7 through 17, and the message is entitled, God Rules Over the World. The prophet Zechariah received his first vision from God. Mark it well. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah. The expression simply means that God made himself known to the prophet. Divine revelation. And so it's always important to mark these things because God goes out of his way to have these things articulated and stated so that we know this is not just a man's imagination or his own thing, but it's directly coming from God. Look at verse 8. The first of seven visions is of four horses here. He saw a person, notice, a man riding on a red horse. Red horse is symbolic of war. Notice he saw them in a wooden ravine. It stood among the myrtle trees in the hollow. That's what the word hollow means, a ravine. The myrtle tree is native to Israel. You find it all through the scriptures. And the ravine could be the valley of Hinnom or of Kidron. Because the prophecy here is relating to Zion and Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. He saw others, notice, behind him, there were horses, red, sorrel, and white. Sorrel is a tanny, yellowish, almost dirty bay or speckle, symbolic of strength. The white can be either peace or victory, depending on the context. Here, most likely, is victory in the fact that God has also been victorious over his judgment, but he's also brought peace to Israel. So it's kind of a combination. The revelation of the vision here was from God. Second, look at verse 9 through 13. We have the explanation of the vision. Zechariah asked, Then I said, My Lord, what are these? He addressed the man riding on the red horse, calling him my Lord. Zechariah received his first answer from an angel. So the angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. Now Zechariah noticed then heard the man who was standing among the myrtle trees in verse 10. He is probably another angel. He identified to Zechariah here who the horses are. These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. The one commanding these horses is the covenant God. Mark it well. All capital letters, Lord. The Lord has sent Yahweh, the Father. There's going to be two people here involved. Jesus Christ and the Father. Their mission is to patrol the activities of the nations of the world 
Listen carefully. In relationship to Israel, the people of God, to walk to and fro throughout the earth. This is the context of Zechariah. Israel, the people of God. Everything's relationship to that. Prophecy is in relationship to Israel. The angelic watchers of God directed the report to the, listen, the second person of the Trinity. Listen to what he says. So they answered the angel of the Lord who stood among the myrtle trees. Now we've got the angel of the Lord standing by the myrtle trees. This is the appearance of Jesus Christ before the incarnation. Notice the report of the accomplished mission is stated by the angelic horsemen here to the angel of the Lord and said, We have walked to and fro throughout the earth and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. These are without doubt angels over the earth revealing divine activity and control over the affairs of the world by the phrase to and fro throughout the earth. The nations were carelessly at ease at what is saying, while Israel has suffered. The prophet Zechariah heard the intercession for Jerusalem, the focus of the vision. Then the angel of the Lord answered and says, O Lord of hosts, his intercession is based on the tranquility at the present time that will soon be broken by Alexander. Daniel 2 Daniel 7. The intercession is for mercy. How long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which you were angry these 70 years? The question on the length of the time is not because he does not know it, for he is a second person of God. He cannot learn anything. He knows it. But it's for the sake of Zechariah. He is being informed and he's going to be given the interpretation also so he can proclaim it. The punishment of 70 years was over. They had repented in rebuilding the temple now. Zechariah 1.6 calls them the repentance. Haggai 1.12 calls them the repentance. They both record repentance. So now that sin is out of the way, God is dealing with them through the prophets. Notice verse 13. The response to the intercession comes. God the Father responded to the angel. And the Lord Yahweh answered the angel who talked with me. This seems to be the first angel sitting on the horse. There are the other angels that we see on the other horses. And there is the angel of the Lord. So we distinguish those three categories that are given to us. God the Father expressed his compassion with good and comforting words. Who's he talking about? His people Israel. Jerusalem. Zion. God revealed to Paul a prophetic event that will translate you and I to heaven. It's called the rapture. By the way, that's prophetic. It's a prophetic event. This involves only one generation that will escape death as we are glorified on the way up and we go up with the bodies that are in the grave right now of the old saints. To remove us from the period of time that Jesus said would be better to die than to live in those days. It's called tribulation and great tribulation. Jacob's trouble is regarding Israel again, Jeremiah 30 verse 7, okay? It's for Israel. The tribulation period is to prepare Israel for her Messiah. 
Paul says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain to come in the Lord will by means not precede those who are asleep, meaning dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazled together with the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. First Thessalonians four fifteen through 18. That's prophetic. Do you believe that? Because the rapture is being attacked from within the church big time now. And they're saying it's a recent doctrine and we really don't... The history doesn't... Like Samuel told Saul, be quiet. Jesus said, stop being afraid. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many abiding places. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for where I am. There you may be also. And if I come back, I come back to receive you to myself. Okay? So you must make a distinction between him coming back to receive us to himself and us coming back with him to set up the kingdom. I don't care about church history. It's corrupted. I care what the Bible teaches. Jesus taught the rapture. John 14, 1 through 3. Paul taught the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. And other passages. So I could care less about church history. I care what the scriptures teach. God gave to John the revelation of the last seven years in the island of Patmos to warn the world of the seven worst years that this earth will ever go through because he loves them. He doesn't want people to go through it. If God hated the world, he, he wouldn't tell us. We're here to warn them. We need to know the book of Revelation to be able to communicate to other people. The world will be deceived by the Antichrist who will rule the entire world. Look at our world today. You know what's going on in our nation? Two mindsets. American citizens, global citizens. I want to be an American citizen. I don't want to be a global citizen. But it's coming. Alright? The Bible says it's coming. The wrath of God will be poured out on the ungodly world. Seven seals, seven bowls, seven trumpets. Horrible. Listen to me carefully. 66% at least, maybe a little bit more, of the population will perish during these seven years. Two of three Jews will die. We'll get to Zechariah, the latter chapters. Horrible time. Men and women will call on the mountains to fall on them rather than repent from their fornication, their sorceries, their drunkenness, and everything else. Now, do you believe the prophetic book of Revelation? The repeated warning to the seven churches as he who has a near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. Revelation chapter 1 and 2. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Jesus said, take heed what you hear and how you hear. The explanation of the vision was to inform what? The prophet of God. The last movement, verse 14 through 17, the interpretation of the vision. In 14, the prophet Zechariah came to understand the condition of the heart of God at the present. Verse 14, God revealed his love for the nation of Israel. Mark it well. Zechariah was to proclaim to the people with all the authority of God. I teach to you, and people blow their mind how I teach. I teach with full authority of God's authority. These are his words, not mine. He says, Your soul, the angel who spoke with me, said to me, Proclaim, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Whoa. When you're commanded to speak in the name of God, that what you're going to say, God said he's going to do, you don't have to apologize. And you certainly don't have to be intimidated. The phrase, the Lord of hosts, again, the captain of the armies of heaven. The one fighting to protect who? Israel. The phrase appears 52 times in this book. The phrase says the Lord appears 
22 times. You think it's coincidence that God repeats himself that many times? That's a warning to everybody who would come against Israel. Those that bless you, I will bless. Those that curse you, I will curse. Genesis 12, 3. It's still in effect, ladies and gentlemen. Notice 14, still Zechariah was to proclaim to the people God's yearning love for his city. His city. I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. The passion of God over Jerusalem is identified with the, by the word zeal, which means jealous, envious. But not the way you and I understand it. We get envious and jealous, you know, we get, oh, I want to knock somebody's teeth out or something like that. It's sinful. But the pleasure of God is with purity, is love is with purity. It's over Zion, also indicated by the phrase zeal, great zeal, in fact. Immense radiating love for the mountain of the city of David where the temple sits. The city, he just loves it. He has angels on the wall watching over it all the time. The key verse and theme of the book, let me give it to you. It's found in Zechariah 8.2. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, with great fervor. I am zealous for her. God is in love with Israel, Jerusalem, and Zion. Jerusalem is the most mentioned city of the Bible. 776 times. Babylon, the second most mentioned, 264 times. They are arch enemies. Look at 15. God revealed his displeasure with the nations. Zechariah was to proclaim to the people the position of God against the nations. Mark it well. I am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. The superlative exceedingly angry describes the incredible magnitude of God's wrath with the Gentile nations. This includes the past, the present, and the future for the anti-Semitism, hatred, and persecution of the Jew and the nation of Israel. The reason was because they were at ease. Quiet and secure and careless, relishing in the conquest of Israel and self-glory. We have seen the hatred, the opposition attack on the nation of Israel since its birth of 1948, just hours after they declared their independence. England had betrayed Israel and prepared the Arabs to attack them. The anger of Yahweh towards his people was right and just, chastening them for 70 years. Notice he says, I was a little Angry. Now you know exactly what God means if you're a parent. Your son and daughter does something and you're angry at them and you deal with them. But after you've dealt with them and there's repentance, it's over, right? The reason for the great anger of God against the nation was that he used them to chasten his own people. But they had no mercy and afflicted more suffering on them beyond God's measure. Listen to the words. And they help, but... With evil intent. God says, I wouldn't go there if I was you. If you do, it's going to cost you. Look at the nations on how they conduct themselves against Israel. In Matthew 25, the judgment of the nations. When you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. On how they treated the Jew during the great tribulation. That's going to be the judgment on the world. First thing, Jesus comes back. Look at 16 and 17. The prophet Zechariah understood God was going to bless Jerusalem. 
Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am turning to Jerusalem, returning to Jerusalem with mercy. This was evident by the favor of Cyrus for having the remnant return. Jesus will make Jerusalem the capital of the world and the kingdom age. People may not like it. Tough. God said his temple would be built. Now he's interpreting. Okay. This is the interpretation of the division. His temple will be built. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts. It was completed four months later in the sixth year of Darius, Ezra 4.15 says. The kingdom temple will be built, the ultimate one. We have the plans, Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48. We went through it in detail when we studied Ezekiel. Then God would expand Jerusalem. And a surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Jerusalem today has expanded way beyond the old Walls of Jerusalem, the ancient times. You've been with us to Jerusalem. You're sitting on the Mount of Olives right here. We're looking on the Kidron. There's the old city. And way beyond it, it just expands over completely. You see, God's cities would again prosper, he says, and again proclaim, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, my city shall again spread out through prosperity. This is prophetic. This is the interpretation of what he's going to do for Israel. It goes not only to the present time he's speaking, but long term to the end, all the way to the millennial. The whole book of Zechariah. This was fulfilled during the Hasmonean princes of the Maccabean period that we hear about sometimes. The city of Haifa today is the hub of the modern technology of the nation and of the world to an extent. Now, God would again be in the midst of the nation of Israel. Listen carefully. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. Again choose Jerusalem. Underline that. The future blessing to come was sure, but ultimately will be fulfilled in the kingdom age. All the visions are related to the first vision that we're studying here of the nation and city of Jerusalem and expand on it. First to the near future, then ultimately to the far future of the kingdom age. The book of Zechariah is apocalyptic, meaning its nature and language expresses the ultimate conquest of God to set up his kingdom. But apocalyptical literature is very dark. It's gloomy. It's God destroying, defeating the armies of the world. But it has a positive outcome that he sets up his kingdom. Okay. The book of Revelation. Apocalypsis. <laughs> There's the word. Okay. Listen to Jesus as he walked into the synagogue of Nazareth. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And to recover sight of the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. And he gave it back to the attendant. And sat down. And the eyes of all of them were uh, in the synagogue. Were fixed on him. And he began to say to them. Listen carefully. Today this Scriptures fulfilled in your hearings. Luke 4, 18 through 21. He's quoting Isaiah 61. What would you have done if you were sitting there? This crazy Jew. What is he? I knew. I, I saw him grow up. Who is he? You had one of two choices. You're Messiah or you're crazy. You have the same choices today, ladies and gentlemen. He says, I am the fulfillment of all prophecy. The prophecy that Israel would one day be a nation again has been fulfilled in our lifetime. May 14, 1948, Israel declares independent for the third time. After 1900 years without a homeland, they came back, preserved their religion, their name, their culture. They revived their language, Hebrew. No nation or culture or race has ever done that for more than two, three generations before being absorbed and totally disappeared. 
Read Ezekiel 36 and 37. The valley of dry bones. The mounds of Israel. He's going to bless them. Before Israel took it over, it was a swampland. Mosquito infested. They bought it for pennies. They turned it into a plush garden. Listen to Matthew 24, 32, 35. Jesus speaking. Now learn a parable from the fig tree. When his branches already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer's near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. When we saw the nation of Israel, after 1900 years, be born as a nation, that marks a defining line prophetically. Not one yod or tittle will pass away. All will be fulfilled, whether we believe it or not. In 1967, Israel was attacked in what is known as the Six-Day War by Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia to destroy her. God protected her and gave her the victory. They gained the West Bank. The city of Jerusalem was taken for the first time, and the Jews were able to walk in and to go up to the Western Wall, that was known as the Wailing Wall, for the first time. The Temple Mount was taken Moshe Dayan gave it in good faith to King uh, of Jordan. He turned around and gave it to the PLO. It's in their hands. He did it in good faith. It's okay. God's in control. Israel in 1973 was once again attacked on Yom Kippur, their holiest day of the year, by Egypt, Syria, supplied by the old Soviet Union. But God once again did miraculous things and gave them victory. Israel took all the Sinai. Israel went as far down to Egypt. Israel took the Golan Heights. Israel was ready to light up Damascus with artillery fire until Kissinger stepped in and the salt talks. Israel gave back all the Sinai. Didn't have to, they did. They won't get back to Golan. They never will. God is in control. God is fighting for Israel. Are we saying that Israel, they do everything right? Nope. Listen, Israel, the people are back in the land, but they're not back with God yet. Read Ezekiel 37. There's the second part to that. Okay? They're in the land, but they haven't got back with God. They're secular for the most part, but God's still working in there. Think of the many prophecies about Jesus that have been fulfilled. The place of his birth, Bethlehem. The fact that he would be raised at Nazareth. The fact that he would flee to Egypt when he was an infant. The fact that his ministry would be centered in the Galilee. That he would be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. 30 pieces of silver exactly. That all would abandon him. As a shepherd was stricken that night. The scourging. The crucifixion. The resurrection. All of these are prophetic. They took place exactly. What do you do with that if you're not a Christian? Or what do you do with that if you're a Christian? You say you believe it. But yet you're not obeying God's word. We have to deal with that. Ladies and gentlemen. All these prophecies should encourage you and I. Knowing that God has not lied and therefore I can trust him for my sins and the forgiveness of those sins. For he cares for me that I walk with him. That I talk with him. That I sup with him. And that I look to him and him alone. And understand what he believes and thinks and feels and is doing for Israel and for his church. Two complete different entities. Now, if you believe in replacement theology that God is through with Israel... What do you do with the book of Zechariah? We throw it away? Israel's the apple of his eye. Read the scriptures. The interpretation of the vision was to encourage the people of God. 
Are you encouraged? I hope so. I am. Because if you get your eyes on this world, it can be really depressing. You got to keep your eyes on the Lord and the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen. The vision of the four horses has unfolded for us in this threefold movement. The revelation was from God. The explanation of the vision was to inform the prophet of God. And the interpretation of the vision was to encourage the people of God. When you read prophecy, you should be so encouraged that you are on the winning side. Pastor Xavier Reese reminding God's children to stand with confidence during the last days. More important simple truths drawn from the minor prophet Zechariah. Now you can request a copy of today's essential study, God Rules Over the World, available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title you'll be asking for once again is God Rules Over the World. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, Nine one one zero seven, And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com